Hi, well, isn't it exciting to be the first preacher in this room? <laughs> well, you wouldn't know because I'm the one, but it's so exciting. And, and, and I don't know whether, did anyone else get a sense of breath of freshness this morning? Yeah? yeah. It wasn't just me. Well, I just wanted to share something that happened to me last night when I was, when I was praying. And um, another word for the Holy Spirit, it's a word called ruach, which means breath. And as I was just praying and worshipping and thinking about stuff, I just found myself spontaneously like prophesying over Hope Church. Yeah, it was just like a spontaneous thing that came out of, as I was doing it, it happens to me sometimes, I do weird stuff. And it was, as I was doing it, I just had this sense of this sort of recycled sort of cells, sort of stale air that, that, that we were sitting in. And then I just began to prophesy, breath of fresh air, breath of fresh air, ruach, fresh ruach, fresh breath of fresh air. And as I prophesied, I began to prophesy over the, over the musicians. I'm using the word musicians and music rather than worship. A breath of fresh air, breath of fresh air. And then I began to prophesy over the congregation, I worship, breath of fresh air, breath of fresh air, fresh ruach, fresh ruach. And then over the preachers, breath of fresh air, breath of fresh air. And then over our activities and our children's work and, and the things that we do and the encounter and all the other things, breath of fresh air, breath of fresh air, breath of fresh air. And over our evangelistic mission, breath of fresh air. And, and one of the things about this, these, and I'm, this journey that, that we're going on with the gifts of the Spirit, and I'm using the word journey rather than series because... I, I, what I felt called by God was, and sent by him, actually, was, was I felt him say to me that he wants me to help lead us as a congregation into a fresh encounters with the Holy Spirit, fresh breath of the Holy Spirit, fresh experiences of gift to the Holy Spirit. So I, I want to think of this as like a journey that's going in that direction and, and, and the path that it's going on actually, you know, it, I don't always know. It's not like a set of theology talks. This is a journey and a path and that's how we set out and this is where we've sort of landed to with this one. And this one is coming from a slightly different angle when I was praying. This is where I thought to take this from a different, slightly different dynamic. And, and I just wanted just to, us to kind of wind back a little bit into why the, the Holy Spirit came and what Jesus said about the Spirit coming. Because it's the gifts of the Spirit are the manifestation and evidence of, of the Holy Spirit upon us. And just before Jesus was ascended up into heaven, he, he was met with the disciples and he, be, he began to talk to them about the Holy Spirit coming. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this is just before he ascended. These are, these are probably some of his last recorded words on earth. This is what he said to the disciples. He said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. That's what the gifts of the Spirit are about. That's what it is. You will receive power. And I've got this concordance thing at home that I like looking up and I'm a bit 
nerdy with some of my Bible stuff. And one of the things I like doing is it's got these little numbers that you can flip to the back and it tells you kind of about the Greek, Aramaic or Hebrew words that each of the words are. And I just like looking them up because they give you a sense of what the translators put into place. And I looked up the word power. This is what Jesus said was coming when the Holy Spirit came on you. And it's this Greek word, and I don't know how you pronounce it. It's just like dynamis or something like that. But the actual essence of it is miraculous powers. So Jesus is saying, wait for the Holy Spirit and you will receive miraculous powers when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And one of the interesting things about this passage is that some of the, 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 the three of the Gospels also have their own take on this passage as well, about what Jesus said. And I, sometimes it's helpful when you get different perspectives of people, and I just love some of them. And in Luke's version of it, I love this one. This is, this is probably my favourite one. It's virtually the same story, same, same bit, Jesus saying the same thing, but he it actually says, you will be clothed yes. with dunamis. Clothed with miraculous powers. And I just thought, I love that. Clothed with the Holy Spirit's miraculous powers. That's what the baptism in the Spirit's about. That's what it is. That, that actually, he's saying, when you receive the Spirit, you'll be clothed yes. with these powers. You'll be clothed with these gifts. You'll be clothed with that. And then Mark 16, he has a slightly different way of expressing it. And he talks about the gifts of the Spirit being signs that accompany the preaching of the gospel. So that's his, his take on it. And then in, in, in Matthew's version of it, he comes from the angle of Jesus' authority. And, having, and that Jesus has all power and authority. And that when you go to be his witnesses, he'll be with you. The Holy Spirit and his presence will be with you. Clothed with us, accompanying us. That is what what it's talking about here. And so, essentially what it's saying is that the gifts of the Spirit are an essential tool in our mission to preach the gospel and not just an optional extra for church services. They're like the power tools of our mission. I remember having a word for Bill a while ago about getting out his power tools. The, 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 the gifts of the Spirit, they're the power tools for our mission. That's right. Not just something we play around with in, in the services. That's right. And I want to just flip over to something that Paul said about stuff in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 4 and 5. So I'm just going to read this. This is, this, is, this is the Paul talking about how he came and the way he preached the gospel and presented it to, to the Corinthians. And he said here, he said, My message and my preaching, they were with wise and not with demonstration and power. Instead, they were with wise and persuasive words. Is that not what it says? Oh, oh, sorry, I got it wrong. It says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with demonstration of the Spirit's power. Spirit. Do you know, and what I find sad is, is that in so many churches, it's the other way around, isn't it? Yeah. 
we give lip service to having the baptism in the Spirit, but the reality of our message that we preach, the reality of our gospel sharing, is, is actually about trying to wisely, using wise and persuasive words, clever preaching. You know, you listen to some of the stuff online, and there's these incredibly eloquent preachers who can do this stuff. But where's the power? Where's the power? Where's the miraculous power? And, and I'm kind of speaking to ourselves here and saying, where's the miraculous power? Um, because there's a hunger in my heart for us to see this in, in Hope Church. There's a hunger in my heart for our mission and our evangelism that we do to be accompanied by miraculous power. And I'm, 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 I'm preaching to myself with this word, so please hear me. This is not a lecture from Gordon about aren't we bad. This is saying there's a hunger in my heart for this power that Jesus promised to come upon us, for us to be clothed with it, rather than hiding behind clever words and clever preaching. And I've been reading a book by a lady called Ginny Burgin, who I've had the honour to hear speak a couple of times. And whenever she spoke, she's had such a powerful impact on me that I bought her book. And here's a little passage, and she's giving her testimony. And I'd just like just to read this, because it did... It did, it did affect me when I, when I read it. And she was talking about when she received the, 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 the power gifts of the Spirit back in the 1960s. And people were there telling her that these things didn't happen anymore. And, the, and, and yet she was experiencing these things. And, and she says here, in, the, in, in this thing, she says, Today, we're living in a different time. When it's not so much that we hear people say those things don't happen today, rather more like those things don't matter as much today. I believe we're living in a post-charismatic, post-restoration, post-new church age where the place of reasonable argument and understanding has taken over. Of course our understanding matters. Of course we want to be able to study and correctly handle the word of truth. But today we're in danger of losing many aspects of the powerful workings of the spirit that were restored to the church in the midst of the ushering in of the charismatic movement. Yesterday, today, forever, God is all-powerful, giving his children good gifts to benefit the body. And I just loved that phrase, and I thought it summed up what this, these talks about, so I thought it was better reading hers than making up my own. And when I think about the gifts of the Spirit, and I don't know about you, but this is me, okay, so this is Gordon, so don't think I'm having a go at people about this, but I think sometimes we're in, a bit embarrassed by the gifts of the Spirit. And sometimes they are a bit embarrassing, but I I just think sometimes we are a bit embarrassed by it. We like to dumb it down a little bit. We think of them as a bit foolish, don't we, sometimes? I don't know, I do. Particularly if I'm with my non-Christian friends or whatever and I'm, and I'm talking about Jesus and church and things like that. It's like I kind of dumb those things down, you know. I kind of, you know, I want to talk, use the wise and persuasive words. Um, and, yeah... I was, I was thinking about this, even though some of these gifts appear foolish and a bit embarrassing, particularly speaking in tongues. Do you know, I was thinking, you know what the most foolish thing of all is? It's actually the gospel message itself. Yes. You know, we're a group of people, right? Yeah. 
along with millions of others throughout the world, who believed that a baby came into the earth without the involvement of a human father. Okay. Um, and then we believe that the, that baby, when, he, when that baby grew up to a man, he did things like walking on water and th things like that. And then we believe that he died. Okay, that's okay. Most people can accept that he died. But then we believe he actually came back to life again. And then we have a hope that one day, when we all, after we all die, we'll come back to life again too. Isn't that a bit, bit of an old belief system? Yeah? <laughs> so, it, without the miraculous powers to demonstrate that that's true, <laughs> it's a pretty sad faith, really. Actually, Paul said, didn't he? He said, if you don't, if you don't have the resurrection, he's going, the whole thing's a waste of time. Um, and we're a faith of the miraculous. And without it, we don't have anything at all. Our whole faith is based upon the miraculous. And what I find interesting, I, I like watching sort of TV shows and films and things with Matt, and often, you know, some of these sort of fantasy adventures and stuff like that, there are people there with miraculous powers and superhero powers and things like that. But the interesting thing was is when they draw upon what they do, do for it, now hear what I'm not saying, don't hear what I'm not saying here, but when they draw upon that, I find it really fascinating that they seem to want to get that from either sort of New Age people or from sort of Eastern religions and stuff like that. And yet the faith that has the real miraculous is the, is the Christian faith. And that's not a slagging off of the TV. That's almost saying, you know, come on, church, let's, let's, let's demonstrate the real thing. And in my heart, here's like the cry of my heart for us. As hope. Let us pursue an authentic demonstration of the Spirit's power with yeah. all of our hearts. Yes. Let us pursue that. Yes. Yeah? Because that'll take effort, that'll take desire, that'll take action. Yeah? And that's, how, that's the call of this message this morning. Let us pursue the authentic demonstration. I'm using the word authentic because there are fake stuff out there and people trying to hype stuff up and charlatans and things that get us a bad name but let's talk about the authentic because the gospel message itself is actually one of power and the holy spirit yeah. it isn't one of lectures and trying to persuade people to believe in a, in a god that they can't see when jesus came he said didn't he he's one of some of his first words that were recorded he said the spirit of the lord god is on me because he's anointed me by the Holy Spirit to preach good news to the poor, to set the captives free, to bind up the brokenhearted, to open blind eyes, to proclaim favour. He's actually saying the gospel message, the thing that I'm called to, is a, is a message that powerfully changes people's lives, that the supernatural is involved in the gospel message. And I was thinking about people that I know that have come to Jesus. And somewhere in that process, from most of the people that I know, there's been some kind of supernatural encounter with God, some, something that's happened in their lives that's convinced them that Jesus is real. Yeah? I mean, there, might, there are some people who've come to some kind of intellectual kind of faith, but even that, when you explore it, there was the hand of God upon it. 
And I, and I was just thinking of the last person that I was aware of and involved in coming to Jesus was my brother over during lockdown. And my brother had not lived a life that followed Jesus at all. In actual fact, he was a complete opposite and some of the stories of his life were quite interesting and colourful. And he, he sadly got, got cancer and he went in for an op for, for, to have for cancer and he, the doctors told him he'd had 30% chance of actually coming out of that operation. And when he came round, he came out, he phoned me up because he knows that I'm a person that follows Jesus and I don't think he really knew many others. And he said, something happened to me when I was in the operation. He said, I saw this, um, and he, he was very into biking, and motorbiking, that was like his thing, Bill smiling. And he saw two motorbike helmets. One of them was pure white and the other one was black with skull and crossbones on it. And he heard a voice saying, which helmet are you going to choose? And he thought about it and reached out, touched the white helmet and came out of the op. And he contacted me and said, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah? <laughs> what does that mean? Well, okay. The problem was, we're in lockdown, can't go and see him, all a bit difficult like that. But I was able to explain to him what that meant. That was Jesus calling him. He says, well, how do I do that? How do I get to follow Jesus? How do I do that? And I said, well, and he, did, he didn't have, he didn't, couldn't use technology really. He so I tried to say, well, can we fix up a Zoom and that. He couldn't cope then. And we were trying to um, arrange to sort of get together, but we couldn't because the lockdowns come in and out and all the rest of it. And so we said, all right, well, we need to get together after lockdown. Anyway, he went back into hospital again and he um, then phoned me from the hospital and said, um, I've had another experience. He said, I, I was in so much pain, he said, and I woke up with, with the pain and he, he, he listened to, he listened in his truck, he's a trucker, to um, country music. And it, 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 this, to me, this sounds really naff, but to him it had a powerful impact, okay? <laughs> but he said, he, he, he remembered this song called One Day at a Time, Sweet Jesus, that he'd heard on the, on the, on the thing. And he said, I've, just, I wanna, I'm, I've given my life to Jesus. I've decided I'm going to follow him one day at a time. And... We, we, would, we began speaking almost daily after that because we didn't have much of a relationship before that. And um, he passed away um, about a month or so after that, that experience. He, he went and I felt prompted in my spirit that he was going to die that day. And so I got him on his mobile phone and he was in hospital. And, um, and, and I said, I've just phoned you, Angus, to say goodbye and we'll see you again soon. And he said goodbye. And Carla said, well, how could you have done that? You know, so I just felt it was it. And that was it. He went that night. And 
the supernatural of God was involved all the way in that process. There was no persuasive words of man's wisdom there. You know, just a naff 1970s country music song. And <laughs> you know what I mean? There was, you couldn't, you know. And I just wanted just to encourage us to let's pursue the supernatural. And I'm going to sort of bring this back into one of the gifts of the Spirit this morning, just to wrap this up, because time seems to run away really quickly today. I don't know what's happened to it. Is it going faster this morning? Um, <laughs> so we ain't going to finish all of this today, but that's fine. I, I want to talk about a little bit about the gift of tongues, because after Jesus spoke this to the disciples, what thing then happens is when the Holy Spirit came upon them... Um, I'm obviously driving everybody away now. <laughs> when the Holy Spirit came upon them, the first thing that happened is, is they began to speak with these unknown tongues and these unknown languages. And that's like one of the weirdest gifts of all. And yet, the, what then happened is, is that as we know the story, the day of Pentecost came, they, they, they were speaking in these new, new languages that they didn't understand. The people who didn't know Jesus, who were all around them, actually understood that they were praising God in these tongues, and then, they, then many of them came to Jesus. And sometimes when... Um, many times described in the New Testament, when people received the Holy Spirit, received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that, that it's recorded that they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Yeah? And it's almost like that these gifts are almost like the entrance gifts. That's not to say everybody has them because people don't have them. The 1 Corinthians says that nothing says. But it's almost like that. And, and, and I just want to just encourage us again with the gift of tongues. Yeah? Because it's like an entrance gift into the supernatural and yeah. the miraculous. So it's like we're going through a door. And this is one of the keys to that door, is that weird gift, okay? And that's probably the one of the most embarrassing of them all, okay? Um, and the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, which is two chapters on from the, the chapter we've been studying all the way through, he actually gives a little bit of explanation around how this gift works and how we use it within a public church gathering. But, he, but there's some interesting characteristics that he pulls out from the gift of tongues that I'm coming into land with these. Is he describes it as a gift that's speaking to God rather than to people. Prophesying is when you're speaking. people. But it's actually speaking to God. It's your spirit speaking to God. Yeah? And it's speaking spiritual mysteries. Okay? So we're moving into this spiritual territory that we don't normally understand and it's combination of prayer and praise it says it edifies and builds you up yeah i don't know about you i want to be edified and built up and that's a way you know that's a gift that god's given us in order to do that <coughs> it'll only really edify and build the church up if someone interprets because without interpretation it's just speaking into the air and sounds nonsense that's what Scripture says. But wasn't it wonderful two weeks ago when Colin spoke in, in that, those are sort of there, he spoke with the language of the Spirit and then he straight away interpreted what he was saying. And what I thought was quite interesting was is I was sitting down there and as he was speaking, I just saw this like spiritual atmosphere kind of lift and joy and stuff coming. And, and, and as he was doing that, and I thought, oh, I've got the interpretation. And then 
Colin then shares an interpretation. It's completely different. And I thought, oh, did I get it wrong? And I just suddenly realized that actually I was using a different gift of the Spirit. And this is a bit of teaching and training, really, called discernment of spirits, which is one of them that we'll talk about one time. And what I was actually seeing was what was, that's a revelation gift, that you're seeing what's going on in the Spirit world. So that was why I was able to come forward and give the explanation. And when we went into this time of amazing, just singing with tongues, with stuff lifting off of people. Well, I don't know if people remember that, but there was a lifting with that. But that was gifts working together. But, with, but without that interpretation and explanation, it would have just been nonsense. Yeah? It's, it's your spirit praying, but it does nothing for your mind. That's one of the reasons why in our Western culture we really do struggle with it, because if our mind doesn't understand what's going on, then we, we have a real problem with it. And the interesting thing is, is that Paul begins to change the description of it between speaking in tongues and praying with your spirit. And he seems to use those words interchangeably. And I find that quite helpful because the actual fact, praying with your spirit as opposed to praying with your mind is quite a powerful thing. Actual fact, Romans 8 uses it in the context of not knowing how to pray and the spirit helping you pray. And I don't know about you, but there's many times where I haven't a clue what to pray for. But the Spirit praying, and what it's doing is it's, it's that breakthrough into, this, into the supernatural. It also talks in Corinthians about singing with the Spirit and with your mind, which, which I just think is so awesome when we just, the congregation is just singing with the Spirit. I just encourage us to just reconnect with that one a bit more. It just, just go for it. Do you know what I mean? Just go for it. Don't worry about what people think. Just go for it because the, there's power that happens there. As, as I said, it's the key to unlocking the supernatural. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, is that somehow or other, there's the powers of darkness can be broken with speaking in tongues. Um, and how are we doing for time? How, how much have I got? I don't, I don't mean, be honest... About 5'10", yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. Um, the, uh, there was a while ago when um, a lady came to Hope here called Angela Kem, and she called me out and got me to speak in tongues in front of the group. And then she, then she said to me, she felt God was saying that she wanted me to know that there was a tongue that he'd given me that I could use that would break powers of darkness. And it reminded me of one of the most powerful times when I've seen someone's life totally changed through it. And I'm just going to give the little story now and then I've got some words to share for people. Then um, the, this, this story, I was, I was, I've been asked to join the team that prayed for people at the end of Bible Weeks. You know, they have people that pray for people there. So there was two of us there and this lady came forward for prayer and she described herself as suffering from depression and various mental illnesses. So just began to pray with the Spirit for this lady, using the language that God had given. And it was like she started shaking, and the presence of God hit her, and she fell onto the floor in like a trance. And she was there, and we carried on praying, no idea what was happening. It was going on and on and on. She was actually there, out into the power of the Spirit, for an hour and 40 minutes. And the, her pastor 
came up whilst we were doing it, because after a while you get a bit bored, don't you, what's going on? And her pastor came over to sort of check what was going on and says, oh, I think this might be, this might be a real encounter for her. And he started telling us some of her story. And this lady had been brought up in abusive background. She'd entered into all sorts of occultic practices involving New Age and Ouija boards and spiritism and all sorts of very bad things. She'd been involved in that. She'd been sectioned numerous times, had all sorts of mental illness, and had started attending the church, made some kind of commitment to Jesus, but was all mixed up in all this weird stuff. And, 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 and anyway, um, this, this actually, lady was like that for an hour and 40 minutes and got up. And we kind of kept in touch a little bit through our pastor and sometimes seeing her. And over time, it turned out that after that moment, she went back to the doctors, began to reduce her medication, she got baptised, she joined the worship team in the church, she became an active member of the church, Jesus completely set her free, and last time I heard, she'd become a missionary over in Mexico. Um, And that was just through praying with the Spirit. And I just encourage us to do that. Um, And because... I've got a prophecy here for the church, but I can bring it another time because um, I just want to share some stuff for for some people here here this morning.